What is up? We are back. It's the Bruce Wayne that's Black Charles Diamond, a.k.a. Rick Lampkins. Just like the clips featuring Cameron over a Pharrell beat, we're back by popular demand. It's the Basketball Reasons podcast. Uh, today's podcast, I just want to give you a little disclaimer, uh, is heavily adapted from an article by one Joel Corey, uh, formerly a writer for CBS Sports, who was actually on the representation team for Shaquille O'Neal in 1996, the summer that he became a Laker. Uh, he wrote an article about it on CBS Sports. I read that article, realized I had never heard that story before, and wanted to share that story with my fellow Lakers fans who might also be unaware um, so, you know, I'm going to go on my soapbox a few times in the middle uh, of the pod, but but mainly this is just Joel Corey's story uh, adapted for my pod and, and dictated to you. So I hope you enjoy. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect whatsoever. Oh, no. Whoa, welcome to the Lakers podcast that's oh so enlightening. Shout out to the original GOAT, George Mike, and it's the Basketball Reasons podcast. Your opportunity to learn a new story about your favorite team, the Los Angeles Lakers. And if they ain't your favorite team, then, you know, still listen, but I'm not talking to you right now. That's just the way that it is. We're going to hop in the time machine for this episode of Basketball Reasons. We're going to go back to 1996. Uh, the 1996 free agency period, actually, where the Lakers stole one Shaquille O'Neal away from the Orlando Magic. You see, I was four years old uh, in 1996. Actually, I was probably three when free agency started and, and was four over the course uh, of the free agency period. So I don't remember what happened. I, I don't know what happened firsthand. However, uh, I ran into an article that gave me a little bit of enlightenment about exactly how the Lakers stole once again Shaquille O'Neal from the Orlando Magic so you know it enlightened me so I figured it might also enlighten some of you now as we all know Shaquille O'Neal was on the Orlando Magic in 1996 and they had an opportunity to re-sign him in free agency now I actually heard an interview a little while ago where, where Shaq, it, it, Shaq was with Penny. It was a, a multi, it was an interview with both of them. And, and Shaq said he wishes he never left. Well, he regrets, excuse me, didn't wish he never left. He regrets leaving the Orlando Magic. And I didn't really, I thought that was maybe just because Penny was there, that he was sort of pandering. But I found this article by Joel Corey on CBS Sports. And it turns out Shaq really didn't want to leave Orlando. He had no intentions on leaving, leaving Orlando. Uh, Joel Corey worked with with Leonardo Armato, uh, who was who was Shaq's agent at the time. Sorry, Leonard Armato, excuse me. Uh, and, and apparently, Shaq really did want to stay with the Magic, uh, but there was a, a bit of a situation with the negotiations. Uh, before we get to that, let, let me just set the scene a little bit for you. In 1996, there was sort of a, a weird period uh, uh, in in the relationship between the league and the players' association. Uh, there was no maximum salary provision in the CBA. There there was a salary cap, but there was no maximum salary, and there was no luxury tax penalty. So so basically, Orlando owned Shaquille's bird rights and could exceed the cap of or a little bit over $24 million to re-sign him. Every other team that wanted to sign Shaq had to get under the cap to sign him. But Orlando could pay him whatever he wanted to be paid and still keep their roster and, and, and sign Shaq. And I'm so unsure of how they decided not to do that. But instead, apparently they lowballed him. Now, Shaq was looking for something around $20 million per year, and apparently he wanted an opt-out 
clause after year three because, you know, he was the best center in the league and probably wanted to opt out of a contract in case, you know, the market changed, the league changed, and he could capitalize by making more money. Understandably so. Uh, the Magic, however, offered him $13.5 million per year with no opt-out clause. Now, that's a low ball, right? That's $7 million less, but that's not the first time, and I'm quoting from the article almost directly here, that's not the first time the two sides have ever been uh, a far apart on negotiations. But, but here's the kicker, right? Uh, Shaq's agent and, and Corey and Shaq are on the call, and I guess in an attempt to, to, to create some type of leverage for Shaq, when they offered Shaq this contract, they instead of like lauding him or explaining the reason why they wanted to offer him a lower contract, they criticized his rebounding and his defense. That his rebounding and his defense, Shaquille O'Neal's rebounding and Shaquille O'Neal's defense. This is a guy who won Rookie of the Year, uh, up to that point had won a scoring title, all NBA three times, second place in MVP voting, led Orlando to the finals with Penny, of course, after knocking off Michael Jordan, in addition to, I don't know, breaking backboards. And they were talking about this man's rebounding and defense. Okay, so one quick soapbox here. This is why I always say, and if you ask anyone who talks to me about ball, I always say, I'd never fault a player ever for doing anything ever because we don't know what's going on in those negotiations. Players have a lot of reasons why they would not sort of uh, reveal some of the more disrespectful or disconcerting things that teams might might say to them or do to them or suggest to them over the course of negotiations because that might hurt your relationship with another team. So they have to keep mum on that type of thing. So we don't ever know what's going on uh, in terms of a player's negotiations with his team. Um, But if the Magic are disrespecting Shaq's rebounding and defense in addition to lowballing him. I got to think if Shaq's getting that, um, I don't know, anybody else is getting that too. Back to the story. Keep in mind, this is 1996, right? This is, this is sort of you know Jordan's heyday, Jordan's, Jordan's reign over the NBA. But with regards to every other team except for Jordan, it was sort of understood that in order to win in the NBA – you needed a big man. You, you really needed a, 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 an anchor in the post. That's how teams were built, um, you know, 20 years ago. Wow, I didn't think that was that long. But, you know, and, and they had one. The Magic had one in Shaq, right? So it was a little weird for, for the Magic to sort of lowball him and criticize him. Um, it wasn't until that point that Shaq's agent and Joel Corey started to look elsewhere. Not, not even to find another team to play for, but just said, hey, you know, if this doesn't work out, Shaq, what else do you want? And I think what Shaq wanted was, one, he wanted a team that could sign him, uh, sort of that, that was under the cap already, that could sign him to a contract starting at around $9 million. Keep it, Keep in mind, at this time, the salary cap was a little over $24 million. So, you know, he wanted... Nine million. That's a little under a third of the cap, which is around aligned with with how max superstars are treated nowadays. So he wanted a team that was nine million under the cap that could offer him the contract with you know increasing salary over the years, like like we know contracts today, um, and also had a big market, right? So he wanted a team that could that was under the cap that could sign him without gutting their roster and also go to a big market. So the teams that that sort of his representation was looking for. Uh, the Knicks fit. Uh, the, the, they were under the cap. Um, uh, they were in a big market, but they had Patrick Ewing. You know that, that Patrick Ewing that wasn't working. Um, the Detroit Pistons were also 
uh, on the list. Um, but they had they had Grant Hill, uh, you know, they had Allen Houston at the time too. Um, and it, it was like you know if we can pair Shaq with Houston and Hill, that would be nasty. But Allen Houston went to New York, and then you know. It, Shaq really wasn't going to go there. I don't think they had interest in Shaq after that, uh, after sort of seeing their team get wiped out a little bit. Uh, the Heat was another team that was sort of on their radar, but they had Alonzo Mourning on the team. And that really wasn't going to happen, Mourning and Shaq. And, and why it especially wasn't going to happen was because Miami signed Alonzo Mourning to a seven-year, $105 million deal. Keep in mind, the Magic had just offered Shaq like a four-year, $50 million deal, $52 million deal. Now, I love Alonzo Mourning to death. I actually had a Mourning Heat jersey when I was younger, but Alonzo Mourning could not hold Shaq's jockstrap back then. Shaq, it's Shaq, it's Shaquille O'Neal, you know what I'm saying? He was one of the most dynamic players to ever play in the league. If Alonzo Mourning is getting 105 mil over seven years, Shaq deserves that. And actually, Leonard Armato, his agent, said at the time that there's no way Shaq is signing for a penny less than, than, than Alonzo Mourning. So there were a few teams on the horizon that, that Armato and Corey were looking forward to, to sort of figuring out if they could make things work, but it didn't really happen. Um, and that is where uh, our favorite hometown Los Angeles Lakers come in, obviously helmed by Jerry West. Now, Keep in mind, this is 96, the summer of 96. The Lakers trade Vlade Divac to the Hornets to, to you know, get the pick that nets them Kobe Bryant. However, however, whatever order that transaction came into, that, that, that was the transaction. And, and why that was great was because it not only got them the 13th pick in Kobe Bryant, but it also saved him $3.3 million of, of cap space. So you're saving $3.3 million and getting effectively, you know, maybe not starting caliber immediately, but a, a quality NBA two guard at, at 18 on a rookie scale deal. Um, another quick soapbox aside, now with that type of information in mind, I can see why the owners were so pissed. Sorry, it's called basketball reasons. I got to bring it up. I can see why the owners were so pissed when the Lakers traded for Chris Paul and, and, and saved money. Uh, save salary cap, got salary cap relief, I should say, uh, in that process. I, I got to think that some of the owners and, and some management teams were already thinking back. I, I know that that happened much more recently, the Chris Paul move, but where they had to be thinking back to 96, where they were like, these guys saved $3 million of cap space, got under the cap, and got Kobe Bryant, and had the opportunity to sign Shaq, and now they want to do it again? No, I, I get that. I get that. So anyway, back to the story. Um, the, the Lakers were really interested, and they sat down with, uh, with Leonard Armato and Joel Corey, and you know they gave Shaq what he wanted, basically. They offered him uh, $95.5 million over seven years with an opt-out after year three, so Shaq could you know, re-sign when a team had his bird rights and, and get as much money as he wanted. Um, the Lakers had a, a lot of motivation uh, to get this deal done sooner rather than later. Uh, because you know they had they had Eldon Campbell on the team. Eldon Campbell was a staple at the time, obviously, but they had they had Eldon's bird rights, so they could go over the cap to sign Eldon Campbell. But they needed to sign Shaq first, and that was an issue because they just offered Shaq a ninety-five and a half million dollar deal over seven years. Now that's a lot of money. I think a lot of players would be happy to have that money. But remember, we just talked about Alonzo Mourning getting over a hundred mil, and Leonard Armato was like, "My man Shaq is not making less than Mourning." So. 
he, he turned it away. You know, he turned it away, uh, and, and he just didn't want it. Meanwhile, while Jerry West is sort of pitching the Lakers' great history of big men, uh, you know, Mike and Wilt, Kareem, the, the winning tradition, the Laker, the Laker excellence, uh, uh, you know, and also pitching the roster, because keep in mind, Eddie Jones was on that team, Cedric Sabalos was on that team, Nick Van Exel, Young Bryant, they were coming off a 53-win season. You know, so, so Jerry West had a lot to pitch, uh, and, and Shaq was listening, Armada was listening. Meanwhile, while that's happening, the Magic are, are, are just pussyfooting around and dragging their feet. Quick interjection. I, I, I think it's a good, a good point of comparison. I think the Magic were doing what... What the Heat were doing with Dwayne Wade, um, you know, the year before last, where where they knew what he was worth to the franchise, but they just they just didn't want to pay him that. You know, they they were only wanted to pay him reactive to what other teams were willing to pay. Now, I don't think that's a bad business strategy at all. You know what I mean? I'm a Lakers fan. If you're listening to this, you're probably a Lakers fan. The Lakers gave Kobe forty nine million dollars over two years. Just to be there, just to keep shooting and selling tickets and selling jerseys. Now, maybe that's a great business move. Maybe not, you know, the best basketball move. But I get that with regards to Dwayne Wade. You know, two older shooting guards, um, you know, at at the tail end of their career. Kobe a little bit differently because he was coming off, you know, such a drastic injury, such a career-altering injury. Dwayne was simply declining. Um, But my issue with those two comparisons is, once again, it's Shaquille O'Neal. You're talking about the one of the best centers. I mean, he wasn't one of the best of all time at the time, but he was definitely dominant, you know? So you have a team just literally just waiting, 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 dragging their feet. Um, meanwhile, Jerry West, Jerry West is a shark. That's what this story told me. Um, so so the Magic, they see, you know, the, the morning signing, you know, they see how much money Shaq wants, uh, but they're still dragging their feet. Meanwhile, the Lakers are, are just trying their hardest to get Shaq. So they deal Anthony Peeler and someone else, I, I forget who's Anthony Peeler to the Grizzlies, the Vancouver Grizzlies for like, you know, second round draft picks and free up even more cap space to pay Shaq. Hopefully get a, a, around 10 million to get Shaq to that over one, that over $100 million position that Shaq wants. The Lakers pull off that trade and all of a sudden the magic. Oh, oh now they want to offer Shaq more money. So they call Armado and they say, okay, fine. We're finally going to give you what you want. We'll give you $109 million, but instead of an opt-out after year three, we want an opt-out after year four. And if you don't like that, we'll just give you a four-year deal worth $64 million. This isn't me not editing the pod for five seconds. That's me letting the silence sit. Can you think about that right now? Can we just... It's a little bit different in today's NBA with restricted free agency and all that. But, you know, I mean, honestly, it's reminding me a little bit of of, of Julius Randle. You know, imagine if Julius Randle was, like, even more dominant than he, than he was last season. He just did that last season, but except for, for four years straight, right? And, and, and Magic and Rob are just like, uh... You know, you might deserve a contract four years, eighteen million dollars per. But you know, we're just going to offer you eleven or eleven point five, and we're going to see what other teams, uh, what other teams want to offer you. I, I, it's it's so hard to even try and make that comparison with Julius Randle because it's freaking Shaquille O'Neal. Like, it is absolutely outrageous, and it was especially more outrageous because 
they, they were they were haggling. Orlando was haggling over an opt-out year, you know, over an opt-out year. Keep in mind, the Bulls had just signed Michael Jordan. I think, this, like I said, the salary cap was a little over $23 million. The Bulls had just signed Michael Jordan to a one-year $30 million deal. They gave Jordan more money than the salary cap. Now, granted, Shaq wasn't Jordan, but he was he was Shaq. You know, he was like the next great superstar. And keep in mind, this entire time, the Magic could have offered as much money as they wanted. There was no maximum salary, and there was no luxury tax penalty. They could have offered this man a 10-year, $200 million deal with an opt and And Shaq wanted an opt-out after year three. After year three. And they said, nah. They didn't want to go to $20 million per year over a longer deal, and they really wanted the opt-out year to, to, be, to be year three. Okay, so there was an issue. And, and here's where sort of we would get to the crux of the issue because I think Shaq at this point still wanted to sign with the Magic. He was still really interested in going back to that team. And that interview that I mentioned, the one with Penny that I mentioned at the beginning of the pod, he said it himself, you know, he wanted to be there. However, these negotiations were going on for a while and a while and a while. And, and around the mid-90s, there was this sort of this sort of public perception at the time that, that basketball players were already getting paid too much money. You know, there was that lockout in 95 that sort of, that, that was sort of the issue. You know, the lockout happened in 95 and the CBA sort of continued on into 96. They, they, they stopped the stoppage. They put it into the stoppage, but didn't they just extended the CBA and didn't agree to a new CBA until the 98 lockout. So, so there was a little bit of an issue uh, with the public perception of, of um, you know, players getting paid a lot of money. Uh, in 1996, players were like, you know, $100 million to play basketball. That's crazy. So the Orlando Sentinel, the, a, a, a local newspaper around the time, conducted a poll asking, you know, was Shaq worth $115 million? Now, you got to understand, like I just said, there's a public relations issue around this time. You could have asked that of in any city in the country, of any player, on any team, and if it wasn't Michael Jordan, fans would have said, absolutely, hell no, absolutely not. That's ridiculous. Nobody's worth $115 million. But unfortunately, this was right in the middle of Shaq's negotiations. This was the Orlando Sentinel in Orlando, Florida, home of the Orlando Magic, where the Orlando Magic were lowballing Shaq continuously. And out of the 5,000 people that responded, 90% of them said Shaq was not worth the money. 90%. Now, it was only even worse that this was, you know, around the same time, that poll was taken around the same time, that, you know, the Dream Team 2, the 96 Olympic team, was relocating to Orlando for their final preparation before the Olympics. And so Shaq is coming back to Orlando after reading this poll that basically told him Orlando didn't want him. Quick interjection, another soapbox. I think sometimes we get a little... Um we get a little jaded. We get a little disillusioned by the fact that these guys are, you know, super athletes who, you know, get paid millions and millions of dollars to, to play a sport that we can all play. Um, that's one characterization of it. I don't think that, you know, that's not my perspective, but that's one characterization of it. But I, I think you have to remember that these guys are people too. Uh, after the Blazers got eliminated from the playoffs, CJ McCollum was getting into it with fans because, like, 
People were just going at him. I think I think CJ said something about or Dame got a new car. Dame Lillard got a new car, and CJ said congratulations or something like that. And someone was tweeting at, at CJ like, uh, does that does that car have Drew? Hol- it's Drew Holiday's name on the title, and it's like, ha ha, like it's Twitter, like they, these are all jokes. I get it, but like. That's these dudes' livelihood. Like, these dudes are human beings. I bet no one would say that to C.J. McCollum's face. They get swung on. No one's trying to get swung on by a professional athlete. Nobody wants that, you know? But we, we feel, we, like I said, we just feel a little disillusioned. We feel a little disconnected. We dehumanize these athletes a little bit. So when you think about 90% of a reader base saying that you're not worth the money that you think you're worth, uh, I think that was sort of the, the final straw for Shaq. I think that's where Shaq was like, you know what? maybe, maybe it's time for me to look elsewhere. Back to the Lakers. Now, you got to understand, the the Lakers wanted Shaq, but they still had holes to fill. They wanted Shaq because they needed a big man, and they had holes to fill. Um, and, And by waiting on the Magic, who were sort of dragging their feet with these negotiations, they were losing out on options, right? So they wanted Dale Davis, uh, who, who was the big man for the Pacers at the time. Uh, and, and Dale Davis wanted to go to the Lakers, but the Lakers were pussyfooting too, waiting for Shaq. So Dale Davis re-signed with the Pacers for 43 mil over seven years. Uh, Dikembe Mutombo also was a, a, an object to the Lakers, but he signed too. Uh, uh, Chris Gatling went off the market uh, on a $22 million deal with the Mavericks. The Lakers also wanted Dennis Rodman, but like I said, you know, they were waiting for Shaq, and, and, and you know, it never came to fruition. Um, another center that the Lakers were interested in is Brian Williams, uh, also known as Bison Dele. I might have to do a little pod on Bison Dele. He played for he played for the Bulls. He won a ring with Jordan, actually. Uh, one of the most tragic stories in professional sports. Um, a, a, a personal motivation, honestly. One one of my one of my sort of sports heroes. Um, but you know that that's a, for a later date. Um, basically, the Lakers just kept missing out, missing out, missing out. Um, but like I said before, Jerry West was a smart man. He dished out two players to the Grizzlies to clear up another, I think, $20 million in cap space. And eventually offers Shaq the exact deal he wanted. $120 million over seven years with an opt-out after the third year. And I don't know what happened, but I guess the Magic got wind of that. And they tried to, you know, sign Shaq to a, an offer. Uh, after the Lakers had already offered him. But I think Shaq was sick of it. And I think the Magic also thought they had a little bit of leverage. But like I said before, uh, 1995 was a weird free agency period. Before 1995, you needed either four years of service, or actually, no, you needed both four years of service and two completed contracts to be deemed an unrestricted free agent. But because of the weird CBA rules in 1996, Shaq was an unrestricted free agent. That means that in any other year, the summer of 93, 94, 95, 99, 2000, 2001, Shaq would have been a restricted free agent. And that means that that offer sheet that he signed with the Lakers for $120 million over seven years, the Magic could have still dragged their feet, could have still waited too long, could have still pussyfooted around, and matched that contract. But because it was 1996, they couldn't do it. If Shaq wanted to take that Lakers deal then it was all good. He was gone. Now, I think it was mainly the fact that Orlando did not feel the pressure to offer Shaq what he was worth until the Lakers did. That combined with the fact that the fans in Orlando through that Orlando Sentinel poll had already expressed their dissatisfaction with paying Shaq over $100 million. I think that pushed him over the edge. 
And even though Orlando had the ability to sort of front load the contract and pay him more, and also Florida not having a state income tax, as opposed to California's super high state income tax, it didn't matter to Shaq at that point of time, because Orlando had already mangled the negotiations. In fact, he didn't even want, apparently, Shaq didn't even want to take the Lakers offer and use it as leverage against the Magic. He wanted to end it then and there. So a couple days later, after they got the final offer from the Lakers, before the start of the Olympics, they held a press conference, and um, boom, Shaq was a Laker. Now, you know me, if you've listened to this podcast, I love to get into the what-ifs, and there's a bunch of what-ifs here. I mean, I don't, I don't really care. If Shaq stays with the Magic, then, you know, Shaq and Penny and Nick Anderson, they, they battle Jordan, what have you. I think about the Lakers more so. I think about, you know, what would have happened, you know, it just would have been Kobe, Cedric, Nick, Eddie. There was no big man. I Granted, there were some other free agents later on in 97, 98, 99 that they could have gotten. But you got to think, you know, that dynasty never jump starts the way it did without Shaq. You think a lot about people's perspectives of the Lakers and how they say, you know, Lakers, the, the Lakers are a great free agent destination because of, you know, the, the, the great weather and the big market. And a lot of that is defined by Shaq going to the Lakers which apparently he really wasn't even that interested in doing until push came to shove. Um, so it just puts a little perspective on it, you know. These things sort of line up accidentally at times. Um, and that sort of brings me to the countdown. It's going to be a longer countdown because that was a shorter episode. When you hear about Shaq, you know, just almost signing with the Lakers by accident because of, of you know, a bunch of situations, a bunch of circumstances outside of his control. Uh, the Sentinel pole, the Magic criticizing his rebounding and defense, and also just the pure happenstance that he happened to be a free agent in one of the three years in NBA history without restricted free agency. It, it, it makes me think. It makes me think about Kevin Durant. It makes me think about the fact that his team gave up a three-one lead in in the conference the conference finals and the cap just happened to spike at a time where you know the Warriors had cap space because their best player was on a on a deal that was deflated because he'd had some ankle troubles and and they had a team that was perfectly gelled that could fit Kevin Durant into it um you know things like that happen and they they suck when they happen if you're on the losing side of it uh that being if you're a Thunder fan or a Magic fan um they're great for those fan bases that that you know, reap the benefits, the Lakers, the Warriors, obviously. Um, and they changed the landscape of the league, to be quite frank. You know, Shaq going to the Lakers, you know, that's five rings. Kobe has five rings. If Kobe doesn't have five rings, people don't talk about him as compared to Jordan, you know. If Shaq doesn't get, you know, three with Kobe and then immediately get another one with Dwayne Wade, maybe he doesn't get talked about the way he's talked about today either. Um but at the same time, uh, Shaq went to the Lakers, Kevin Durant went to the Warriors. These things happen, but they also tailor off, you know? Shaq had a great run with the Lakers, but eventually him and Cody, Kobe couldn't get along. And he got traded to the Heat. And he won a championship with the Heat, but as quickly as it happened, as dramatic as it was, as exciting as it was, as awesome as it was, it ended a few years later. And I think that's why I'm sort of not as, not as I don't speak with as much vitriol when it comes to the Kevin Durant Warriors I mean, they're still the Steph Curry Warriors, but the Kevin Durant Warriors, because, you know, it's only been a couple years. You never know what's going to happen. Clay is going to be a free agent next year. They're going to have to pay him, sign him to a contract. The Warriors are always, you know, quote unquote, light years ahead, looking forward to their next move. You just never know what's going to happen. So 
just like we appreciated Shaq on the Lakers, uh, you might just want to appreciate Kevin Durant on the Warriors for now. Even though you might think he's a herb, even though you might think it was a weak move, they play beautiful basketball and it's a pleasure to watch. And in all likelihood, if you look at the history of the NBA, we're probably not going to get a chance to watch it for that long. That's the buzzer. I'm out. Uh, This has been an abridged version of the Basketball Reasons podcast. Just something to get you headed into the weekend right. Uh, The little Thirsty Thursday edition. I shouldn't have said that. I'm going to stop talking before I say something foolish. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back again soon.